Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We take American white oak and it reacts to the temperatures here in the highlands. The wood starts to uh, expand and contract and then that starts to give you a Reposado tequila that's made in harmony with our earth. From the agaves we grow, we owe great times to good friends, to the glasses that spark conversation, to the ideas that then pour out. It's time to turn up. Grab your favorite bottle of tequila, pour yourself a drink, sit back and enjoy yourself. Over the last few years, tequila seems to be taking over the world and your options for your favorite party time drink or just a relaxing nighttime beverage have grown insurmountable. When you go to the store, how are you making your decisions? Do you go with the well-known brand that's been around for literally hundreds of years? Or do you find yourself gravitating to the one with the bright colors and maybe a famous celebrity name attached to it? Well, be careful how you make this decision. This may impact your drinking experience to a level you could never imagine. Let's say you go with the shiny new brand. For example, maybe 818. You're excited, ready to go home and try the next big thing. You pour yourself a drink, sit in your nice comfy chair and take a sip only to find that, wait a minute, this doesn't taste like tequila at all. What is this? Well, congratulations. You are now the proud owner of a concoction of chemicals, additives, and perhaps even a little vodka. It's not the centuries old tequila we have grown to know and love. It's the new mass produced kind. Instead of spending nearly a decade being made, this brand new variety of tequila was thrown together in just two years, mixed with another spirit and sold to the masses disguised as a new luxury drink. And you might be thinking, okay, that's fine. You can just get another brand or two or three, but not so fast because as it turns out, you could buy 20 different types of tequila and just be paying for the same thing. Sure, there may be a slight difference in taste, but they all seem to be made from the same factory with the same ingredients. There's just an additive that makes you believe you've bought something new, exciting, and unique. Yeah, this has become the way of the modern tequila industry apparently. And as it's been catapulted into popularity, brands are finding new and creative ways to trick you into believing you're buying something new when in reality, you're just paying for the same thing you did yesterday, just in a shinier bottle. So how did this happen? How did we go from an industry of creativity, change, and tradition to a mass producible facade that tricks its consumers and pushes tradition by the wayside? Where did good tequila go? And hey, why does one brand contain literal ethanol? Well, let's find out. People that had a bad tequila or a bad mezcal on the table, shot it down to get past their palate and then put salt and lime because it was right on the table to get rid of that horrible taste. The salt off my neck, do the shot, whoops. And then bite and then the lime. Take the shot, okay. And then you saw it on the lime. Okay, why don't you show me again because I'm getting a little bit confused. 
Hello everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're gonna be taking a shot or two of the tequila industry. For centuries, the world of making tequila has been a closely held pastime and tradition for families to pass on to their children. But as tequila has exploded in popularity around the world, something has slowly started to change. What began as an industry strictly held dear to Mexican communities has morphed into something different. Celebrities have taken over, and there's no better example of that than Kendall Jenner. Recently, the Jenner princess has attached her name to a tequila that she named 818 after one of the Los Angeles phone zip codes. There seems to be not much out of place at first glance. Her brand is made in the same spot where 63 other brands are also being produced. Which that, for the more modern industry we're in, when we're talking about tequila at least, is kinda normal. But what isn't normal is the way she sells it. According to her, it's being produced by a close family that is trying to keep it as traditional as possible. And this is where some of the questions arise. If it was meant to remain traditional, why is it being produced at a massive distillery? As we know, Kendall Jenner has had some issues when it comes to inappropriate branding. You may remember the Pepsi commercial that insinuated that she solved the protester police conflict by simply handing them a Pepsi. But with the tequila industry, the true question comes from cultural appropriation. As her brand was set to release to the world, Jenner starred in her own commercial. There, she modeled pigtails and a straw hat and rode her horse through an agave farm in Mexico. The staging, the commercial, her outfit, it was all just a little off and it definitely rubbed people the wrong way. Instead of giving credit to the farmers to allow the culture of tequila to speak for itself, she instead decided to turn it into a caricature. Unfortunately, that's the concern within the tequila industry as a whole but it wasn't just the appropriation-induced kitschy commercial that caught everyone's attention. It was also the blatant misuse of the language put on the 818 bottles. Instead of putting tequila blanco in Spanish, like literally every other actual tequila company, she decided to flip it so it says blanco tequila. According to Lucas Assis, a tequila expert, this seemed like an immediate red flag to people within the industry. Not only did she not seem to care about the tradition, but she also seemed to have no idea what she was actually talking about. She eventually figured it out and flipped it to the grammatically correct version on the label, but not until after multiple people pointed it out to her. Now, Kendall Jenner isn't the first famous person to make her own tequila brand, and she certainly won't be the last. But hers in particular has brought to light the many issues that come with the celebrity tequila culture. Slowly but surely, the tequila industry has been ripped away from its roots in Mexico. For some, this may be a welcome sign of change from tradition, but for others, it feels like a new form of appropriation. George Clooney, for example, famously founded Casamigos before selling it to Diago. Even Dwayne The Rock Johnson has his own tequila brand. And while yes, it's nice that this once quiet industry is getting a lot more attention, it also comes with a lot more problems. It would be wonderful if some of these celebrities used their brands and their status to spread more information about tequila and just Mexican heritage to begin with. But not shockingly, that's not usually the case. I mean, take Aaron Paul, for example. He and his co-star, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad decided to create their own tequila brand, but their promo for it is beyond cringeworthy. At one point, Aaron compares a five-generation family operation to a meth lab in the middle of nowhere. I get it that they're trying to be funny, but the joke is not landing. That's not paying homage to tradition, that's making fun of it, and it's insulting. Center of Oaxaca, two hours on a highway, and then an hour down the bumpiest road I've ever been on. We had to take off our boots, hike through a river, and then go down this like 10 minute long hiking trail 
and found this, it looked like a meth lab in the middle of nowhere, to be honest. Uh, so we're like, perfect. It tracks back to at least five or six generations of this family making this mezcal. Here's one of the right ways to do it. Ron Cooper is an artist from Los Angeles who brought mezcal to the United States. Seven different uh, things that, that create flavor in mezcal, okay? The first, of course, is the variety of the plant. The mezcal changes, its flavor changes. There's Tierra Blanca, which is alkaline soil. He's the owner of Del Macue Mezcal. Instead of plastering his name, picture, or personal brand all over the product, he went a different direction. He marketed the people making the product, their village and its history of it. Certainly he was going to make a profit off of this too, but the fact that it was also about bringing attention to a culture of work and tradition that has been passed down through generations, it was about the culture, not him on the forefront. And I think that's a better way to do things, especially when it's really not your culture, but maybe you have the financing to try and bring it to a larger audience. Unfortunately, that's not what we're usually getting out of these celebrity brands. We're getting the Kendall Jenners or the Dwayne The Rock Johnsons, the ones who plaster their name and their marketing all over the bottle. Oh, and all of those celebrity tequilas are also usually made at the same place with the same distillery with very little difference. So while we think we're getting 100 brand new versions of tequila with variety, we're pretty much just getting the same thing in different packaging with a new celebrity head on it. According to Assis, there are about two particular distilleries used solely to manufacture celebrity tequila. Basically, they just make a bunch at one time. They will maybe age them all in a different barrel, but that's about the only difference. When a new celebrity is ready to hop on the tequila craze, they come in, choose one, and then move on with their lives. So all those special, super expensive bottles of the world's new favorite spirit aren't really that special at all. It's not the uniqueness or the quality you're paying for. It's just the name on the bottle. But hey, maybe all of that isn't such a bad thing. I mean, after all, the popularity of tequila has skyrocketed over years. So that must be good, right? Well, maybe not so much. Consumption of tequila has never been higher than it is at the current moment. According to CNBC, tequila and mezcal are on their way to overturning vodka's long run as America's all-time favorite spirit. This didn't come out of nowhere. It has been building for decades. During prohibition, tequila was snuck into the United States and by the 1970s, it was a massive well-known spirit. Now it's growing at a remarkable rate and has become a multi-billion dollar industry. And on one hand, that's wonderful news. Tequila is a special kind of spirit as it can be made only in one place. Anyone who owns a tequila brand must purchase it from Mexico. So even if the celebrities are out here making all the profit and not giving credit where it's truly due, at least a percentage of the profits are going back into the right pockets. Especially considering the rate at which nearly everyone was drinking in 2020, it's no surprise that tequila has seen a near 50% growth in just two years. And again, that seems great. The problem is the thing needed to make all this extra product, agave, is dwindling. And this has happened before. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, the agave plant faced a disaster when there was a fungal infection and a bad string of horrific weather. Out of nowhere, the price of agave skyrocketed 1000%. Unfortunately, this led to the loss of multiple farms and tequila producers. But this time it's not infection or weather causing the problem, it's overproduction. With the industry booming after the pandemic, agave prices have skyrocketed. And for big companies, this seems like no big deal. They have contracts with agave farmers, but the issue is that they expect these farmers to meet demand by any means possible, which can come with a wide variety of issues. 
For one, the farmers are forced to plant only agave. That means they can't rotate their crops. And what does that mean exactly? Well, it means that their soil starts becoming less viable, forcing farmers to depend on chemicals like fertilizer and pesticides. Not only can this impact the agave plant itself, but it impacts the communities. As always, chemicals can find their way into the water. As farmers are forced to plant faster and faster and take shortcut after shortcut, they risk spoiling the water within their own community. But huge manufacturers probably don't really think about that because their profits are up and that's all that matters. Their margins are good. They own their own agave farms. Who cares if it might have detrimental effects on the communities who have held the tradition for centuries? Because that apparently seems to be the mindset, unfortunately. But remember, harvesting agave is a centuries old tradition, one handed down from family member to family member. People take great pride in this. The farmers called himadors harvest agave almost entirely by hand. In the past, many families owned their farms, but as big companies have begun sweeping the industry, that is all starting to change and the tradition is dying out and people's livelihoods are at risk of dying right with it. Miguel Fonseca, who is Patron's agave chief, told The Guardian, I think maybe in the next 30 to 40 years, we will have to, out of necessity, create a machine to harvest the agave because over time, there will not be so many jimadores. In part, this is due to the overwhelming amount of people in Mexico who have switched away from agricultural jobs. But some of it can also be attributed to the rapid change within the industry. As agave prices skyrocket, workers' wages remain the same, pushing people to lean on different job options. But there's also the issue of how the agave plant grows. Because agave isn't like a normal crop that you plant, wait a couple months, and then come back to. It's a 10 year long process. But as the demand continues to be catapulted through the fricking roof, this 10 year long process has been forced to speed up. And again, this leads to more chemicals and more shortcuts, both undercutting the preservation of culture and inherently ruining the integrity of what we're drinking. So when you order tequila at the bar, you might be one of those people that go for the top shelf. You know, the pricier one that you hope and pray won't become the bane of your existence the next day. The hope is that tequila will be just that, tequila something that comes straight from agave and has that smooth taste and just, you know, hits the spot. But here's the thing, that tequila you're drinking probably isn't what it seems. There's a reason agave takes 10 years and that it needs that amount of time to ripen. This is what gives it the natural sugars for the fermentation process to begin. But when we speed this process up and harvest the plant before it's ready, that sugar is not there. That means people have to add more in later. So now the process that used to just include putting a ripe agave into a brick oven and cooking it down before letting it sit in a barrel for an insane amount of time has been altered to include, well, a few extra steps. Now they have to put in a diffuser, which may or may not include hydrochloric acid, which turns the starches into the sugar that's needed. But hey, what if they don't get enough sugar this way? Well, that's where the real kicker comes in. So, you know, the pretty bottles, the ones with the huge lettering that all read tequila and they light up all pretty to make it look super enticing at the back of the bar. Well, that might not actually be all tequila. You may actually be drinking half vodka, half tequila. So surprise. So yeah, if they can't get what they need after ripping the agave out of the ground too soon and running it through a diffuser, companies are allowed to just go ahead and mix their tequila with another sugar-based spirit. They only have to follow two rules. The first one is that it can't exceed more than 49%. And two, they need to put a tiny little warning on it that reads mixtos or mixed. 
There are a couple of ways you can ensure the tequila you're drinking is actually tequila and not a Frankenstein mix of multiple liquors in a pretty bottle and all the secrets are right there on the label. First off, if something is spelled wrong or has grammatically incorrect Spanish, you may wanna look at that. I'm going to call this the Kendall Jenner label. Next, look for the words 100% agave. Finally, look where it was made. Also, was it made in Mexico? If it was, then you're probably okay. If not, run far away, cause that's not real tequila. Remember, it can only be considered tequila if it was made in Mexico. It's like champagne. It can only be the real champagne if it's made in the town of the same name. Otherwise, you're just drinking sparkly wine. So what about all those tequilas that are mass produced? It's not just celebrities doing it. Most tequila is produced in the same distilleries with only slight differences. Sergio Mendoza, the founder of Don Fulano said, while it is possible to achieve a wonderful variation in tequilas produced in the same distillery, it's not probable. He says, about 85% of brands going to the market are contracted out to distilleries and big distilleries making too many brands are likely putting the same juice in different bottles, but with different flavor enhancers. So with some tequilas, the only true difference is the less than 1% additive they are legally allowed to include, while still claiming the drink is 100% blue agave, which it isn't. Apparently, according to Matthew Hatcher, who runs the brand Tepozan Tequila and is attempting to make the world of tequila more transparent, he says, these artificial flavors have become so sophisticated, so potent that you can literally get a toothpick, dip it into a little vial, put it in a bottle of Blanco, and in seconds, it looks and tastes like a resposado. Resposado, by the way, is a tequila that requires some time aging in an oak barrel. And I'm not gonna lie, it initially sounds pretty cool, but then you realize how it can be used to essentially trick consumers, and then it's not so cool. Sure, maybe you can't taste the difference between fine aged resposado and the toothpick kind, but your wallet certainly can. If you're paying for something, you should expect it to be what you paid for, not some toothpick magic designed to fool you and millions of other people. Maybe you're just throwing back shots with some salt and lime and you would never in your life notice or even care. But if you're one of the people that want to drink tequila the right way, apparently, you know that you must sip it casually, maybe with a nice cigar, and you can definitely tell the difference. But beyond this, there's another issue, and that's the people claiming their drink is tequila when it definitely isn't. Oh, and the cartel, there's that too. What's one of the biggest destinations for college kids looking to blow off some steam after a hard semester of work during spring break? Mexico. What do people drink when they go to Mexico? You guessed it, tequila. Usually it's all well and good. Sure, some people drink a little too much and make some decisions they beg their friends not to record. But in 2015, that's not what happened. Out of nowhere, Mexico seemed to become an alcohol-induced accident waiting to happen. And I'm not talking about the whole, oops, I fell off the table I was dancing on type of accidents either. All of a sudden, even the people drinking small amounts of alcohol were getting hurt. And it got so bad at one point that the US government had to actually issue a travel warning. So what the hell was going on? Well, after Mexican authorities raided 31 different resorts, they found the culprit. 10,000 gallons of illegal alcohol and a link to a black market tequila distillery. After running some tests, they found that 235 gallons of the makeshift tequila included, and drum roll please, methanol. And yeah, that would definitely explain those accidents. Of course, this is an extreme example of a fake knockoff tequila we are seeing make its way into the world. At this point, think of the knockoff tequila the same you would think of like a fake Gucci bag. People buy it because it looks the same, it has the same label, but we all know it's not the same thing. 
as the industry is exploding in popularity, people are doing what they always do, which is picking their favorite brands. The problem is counterfeiters pay attention to that sort of thing. So if they notice people are buying one particular brand, they'll replicate it. And sometimes that replicant shows up in stores or even on bar shelves. In 2018, ABC investigators in Australia found that multiple companies were pushing scotch and tequila, but neither were the real thing. When looking closely at a tequila named Blue Cactus, they found a couple of discrepancies. First off, that company was nowhere to be found in the regulation documents. After some further inspection, the barcode on the bottle was traced to a swimwear company, not a liquor company. And I don't know about you, but I don't really want my tequila coming from people who manufacture swimwear. I'm trying to drink, not buy some goggles. But wait, because of course it gets worse. The same investigators found that some of these counterfeit tequilas contain raw ethanol. So that's definitely not what you wanna drink. If you ever drank a Limerita, you might be entitled to some money. A lawsuit accused Anheuser-Busch of advertising the drink had tequila or wine when it did not. Then we have the infamous Limerita lawsuit. Sometimes tequila is counterfeit. Sometimes it's mass produced by the same distillery. And sometimes it's not even in the drink that it should be in. In 2020, consumers were shocked to find that their favorite summer drink produced by the same company that makes Budweiser and Stella was lying. When you buy something that says margarita, you assume there's tequila, right? I assume we'd all be a little upset if we walked into a bar, ordered a margarita and got something totally different. But to Anheuser-Busch, it seemed perfectly acceptable to advertise the tequila dependent drink with none of the ingredient actually in it. According to the plaintiffs in a class action lawsuit, the company was actually fully aware they were misleading their customers and sold the beverage intentionally to get consumers to purchase the beverages or pay more for them. Of course, AB denied the claims and settled the case. Anyone who bought the product was entitled to a whopping $21 in the settlement. So what have we learned here? Celebrities are taking over the tequila industry. Companies mostly use the same distilleries with slight changes in their recipes. There are counterfeits everywhere. And oh yeah, we're slowly destroying a centuries old tradition with too much demand and too small wages. But I feel like I'm missing something though. What could it be? Hmm. Oh, right, the cartel. I forgot about that last little piece of information. And just real quick for the record, I'm not in any way insinuating that everything inside the tequila industry has been touched, used, or impacted by the cartel. But the fact remains that the cartel has been reportedly linked to the industry and in more ways than one. And unfortunately, this can impact every aspect of the industry. Even in the first steps, tequila producers have found themselves being threatened if they did not pay for the importation of the agave they needed to produce their product. Then there's also the money laundering problem. Usually this only occurs in the smaller brands. We're likely never going to see any accusations of Jose Cuervo being used as a money laundering front. But in 2020, the Mexican government froze 2000 bank accounts after discovering that the operation Blue Agave, which was being passed off as a tequila business, was actually a highly complex money laundering ring for the cartel. In 2013, the DEA and the US government had to blacklist multiple companies after they discovered they were using them both for money laundering and drug smuggling into the United States. Sometimes the distilleries making tequila for these companies aren't even aware of what's happening. They may never meet their investors. And even if they do, it's not like they just come in and tell them, hey, you're just gonna be my new front, thanks. So this can have a detrimental impact on smaller companies and distilleries, with some of them shutting down after being blacklisted by the US government. But while the US prohibits citizens from doing any business with blacklisted organizations, it doesn't mean the Mexican government needs to react. 
According to Edgardo Buscaglia, who is an international organized crime expert, in Mexico, the state does not react to denouncements. He told Vice News that the cleaned or laundered money is sometimes placed into political campaigns, so there's no reason to act there. However, this issue in the industry seems to have slowed down or even stopped in recent years. Since tequila has hit the mainstream and is monitored more than it ever has before, it's kind of harder to hide in the shadows. Still, it's good to be aware. With tequila growing, counterfeits popping up, and a new celebrity brand hitting the market seemingly every year, it's good to keep an eye open. Maybe ask what the house tequila is at your local bar when you're buying it from the store, or give a bottle just a quick glance over. Think before you sip. But with all of that being said, those are just some of my thoughts, opinions, and some of the research for today's episode. I hope you learned something new, maybe even enjoyed learning a little bit more about tequila. I'm not really sure, but either way, if you did, please make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. And if you wanna catch up with me outside of these episodes, make sure to click the link tree link in the description box down below. It's gonna give you all nice little organized link page to all of my social media and projects I'm involved in. So thank you again so much for joining me for this episode. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.